Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. text is here for what the Lord has laid on our heart. We desire your prayers. Uh, still rejoicing, just thank God for the services we had Sunday, actually the whole weekend, just appreciate the Spirit of God and looking forward again tonight. First Kings chapter 19, beginning at verse number 1, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And withal, how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And When he saw that, he arose and went for his life, came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, He requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. As he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink. And laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. The great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of El-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth the sword of Jehu, shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Father, open our hearts to your word. As we pray, you would open your word to our hearts. We mean this as we pray it. We need it. We recognize how desperate we are for this truth. We pray as a people that we would receive it and, Lord, share it as well. Thank you for what you've shown. And, Father, we pray you be clear in what you speak. Guide us now. 
as we're trusting you for all of this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever felt alone? I think it's one of the things the enemy tries to do the most is to separate us, to make us feel alone. There may be people in the congregation tonight that feel alone sitting among a bunch of other people. Feeling alone doesn't necessarily mean that we are alone, but it's more of a perspective. And it's certainly one I believe that Satan uses to try to segregate us and to make us think that our problems are unique and that what's going on in our life is something that only we have experienced. And somehow that we, like Elijah, get ourselves into a place where we're the only one. The only one standing, the only one trying, the only one working, the only one praying, the only one singing, the only one preaching, just the list goes on. Whatever it is that you do, I can assure you the enemy wants you to believe it doesn't matter because you're probably the only one doing it. But the truth is, is that we're not the only one. That's the subject matter tonight in uh I'd spent several places in the scripture over the last couple of days and settled here because I believe specifically tonight we're going to deal with this one alone, just this one. There's others, and um, I trust God to sort that out. But I want us to take a look tonight at Elijah, and I'm going to do this as quickly as possible, but there's so rich a treasure in this that as I was going through it again today, it just overwhelmed my soul. Elijah had seen a great thing. Elijah was a prophet of God. That day, a major prophet, he was the prophet. As a matter of fact, he thought himself the only prophet at the time. There were altars everywhere. And yet the problem was, is the children of Israel had forsaken God. They had torn down the altars of, Christ, of God and they had killed so many of the prophets that served and likely ministered at those altars. And Elijah saw this and he recognized the adultery of the people and no doubt what took place that I read in your hearing tonight was something that in the back of his mind he had wanted to do for a long time. He wanted to run away. He wanted to quit. They wasn't listening anyway, right? There was nobody cared. It wasn't making a difference. He had preached and preached, and yet all they did was forsook the covenant that he had made. It was a people, and this is what Elijah would even tell God. Said they're the covenanted people, and yet they've forsaken it. Circumcised, but never followed God, never served God. They claimed him. You see, that was where the circumcision come in. They claimed it. Every man and child that was born was circumcised on the eighth day, just as if they were going to follow the covenant of God. And yet what did they do? The adulterous and wicked people, they tore the altars of God down, killed his prophets. And Elijah said, I'm the only one left. And they seek my life as well. Now the truth was, is it was Jezebel that sought his life, not the others. Oh, how the enemy tries to take the truth and he tries to spin it in our own minds and tries to lie and, and certainly does lie and tells us things that simply aren't true. And if you go along with it, you'll find yourself in such a place that you'll do the very thing that Elijah did. You'll lay down your cross and you'll step aside. You'll run away or you'll hide. We've all done it. There's none of us that haven't done it. I doubt or dare say that every one of us have done it. And the chances are that sitting here tonight, many of us have thought it yeah. recently. 
We've wondered to ourselves, does it really matter? Does it matter that I go to church? Does it matter that I pray? Does it matter that I read and seek God in his word? Does it matter that I pay attention when the word of God is preached? Does it matter that I go to Sunday school? Does it matter that I go on Wednesday night? Does it matter that I pick up a songbook and sing? Does any of it matter? And the devil would tell you that it does not matter. And a lot of people have believed You say that can't be true. It is true. You can look around you, right? The evidence is just in what's not here. Many people consider what they do insignificant, unimportant, and it does not matter. The truth is it all matters. It matters to God, and it ought to matter to us. Let's look at it. I want you to see what, what happened to Elijah himself, and I want you to see the mercy and the patience of God. We should all be grateful right now that God is patient. <laughs> God is long-suffering to usward. How we have been in folly, many of us, time after time, our minds double-minded back and forth. Can't seem to decide whether he's worth serving or not serving. Can't decide whether we're going to make always the choice for God and forsake this world and, and we allow the enemy an opportunity to slip into our mind and our decision making and we end up experiencing the consequences of his lies. There's none of us that haven't been there, right? And so they know finger pointing here. We're all in this together, right? You can say, oh, it's not me, but you lie. It is you. We're all human. We're all human. We suffer this same affliction. And the enemy has done it since the very beginning. He singled out Eve and he did his work there. And he's still doing it. And he wants to do that. And it's the very thing that he succeeds at when he comes into the heart or the mind of a soul and he convinces them that they're the only ones. They're the only ones that are still trying and that ultimately it doesn't matter because nobody listens or nobody has changed or nobody's affected. But the truth is, is that people are affected and it does matter. And as long as God is in it, we need to be for it. We need to be a part of it. We need to allow ourselves to be a part of the army of God and do what it is he's called us to do. Here was Elijah. He had experienced the great success as he stood on Mount Carmel and called unto God, and God sent down fire. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be a glorious a glorious day when we saw God answer by fire, consuming the sacrifice, licking up the water, making believers out of so many of them that had turned their back against God. Oh, how his heart must have felt that day as he finally said, yes, finally God is proving to these people that he is the only God. What a wondrous day he had had, killing 450 of the prophets of Baal, you think to yourself, my goodness, that's terrible. (laughs) Not in that economy. It was the very thing that God wanted done and did get accomplished. And so the Bible said thereafter, those were dead that Jezebel found out about it. And uh, the queen herself, she wasn't even prime minister, by the way. She was a foreigner. She was trying to run the thing as, the, I believe, the enemy of God himself. And there she was when she found out that the prophets of Baal had been slain. She sent word, and, and, and Elijah got the word. She said, if your head ain't mine by this time tomorrow, she said, let the gods do it to me. And I want you to know today that the enemy wants us to believe that somehow or another they're in control. I don't know if about you, but those little flowers I looked at today, they proved to me that the devil ain't got control, not of anything. I'm glad today that my existence ain't based upon anybody else than the holy God that is ruling in all matters. He's still in control. The sovereignty of God has not changed, nor has the power of God. You say, preacher, I don't see God working. Hang on. Hang on, I'm going to get there. Elijah, the Bible said, ran. Well, he thought himself the only one, so it was probably a rational decision. 
Don't we say that to ourselves? <laughs> I'm the only one left. I can't fight the whole bunch of them. They don't listen. They don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm out of here. And he got out of there. The Bible said he ran, and when he got to the wilderness, he told his his servant, he said, you stay here. And he went about a day's journey on in through the wilderness, and the Bible said there he stopped. He found him a juniper tree, and I don't know really what a juniper tree looks like, but it must be a good tree to die under. Because he picked it. And that's what he wanted to do, you see. The devil had lied to him so much. The enemy had infected his mind. And that's where we allow ourselves to fall or to stumble. Is when we allow the enemy's lies to infect our thinking. And to steer us away from the power of the holy God. That we, May I say to you today that my God never sleeps. He never takes a vacation. Elijah knew this. And yet his confidence had waned in himself, but also in his God. Oh, what a dangerous place for us to be as Christians when our confidence wanes in our God. Now, it's one thing for me to look in the mirror and to recognize and admit that I ain't very much of anything, but it's another for me to think that my God can't do it. That is a lie. Amen? That is a lie. Do we not believe that our God is the God that won the, the one that rolled the Red Sea back for them? Was he not? Yep. Is he not the God that spoke and light and immersed unto the scene and, and the earth rose up out of the water and everything that was created was created by the sound of his voice? Was it not our God that had done all of these things? Has he changed? Oh my, how frail our minds are then. Right? You willingly admit to all of these things and yet our minds are so susceptible to the simplest of lies that if we tested them to the word of God, we would quickly say, that is a lie. And yet we follow the lie. Elijah had followed the lie. Now, I can tell you right now, Elijah was discouraged. Right? He had preached and preached and nobody had listened. Now, Elijah wasn't the only one to have ever preached and nobody listened. You remember Noah. I, don't want, I ain't got time to preach on Noah, but you remember him, right? But he kept right on preaching is what the Bible said. Bless his heart. I'm going to meet him one day, I believe. Noah kept on preaching. Elijah found himself in a place where he said, you know what? I, I'm the only one anyhow. It don't matter. I'm just going to run. And he did run. And he ran into the woods. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, he found him a place that he thought he, this is a good place to die, this juniper tree. And he got himself under that juniper tree. And he said, God, here I am. I ain't no better than my fathers before me. They killed them. And he said, here I am. And he said, I'm asking you now, right? Elijah wasn't trying to bargain with God. No, he was making a clear statement. He said, I'm done. I'm finished. And if I'm finished, I'd just soon leave. So if you don't mind, would you just go ahead and take me now? Yep. Now, I thought in my mind, I don't know about, I've never prayed such prayers that you might have, but I've never prayed one of them. But if you do pray it, what do you do after that? I'm going to see Elijah still sitting there, you know, looking around Maybe a bear, maybe something will go and get me. Nothing happened. Aren't you glad that God don't answer some of that stuff? Aren't you glad that God don't pay attention to our folly? That we have a merciful God who cares and he loves and he knows my ignorance. And he knows when I stumble and he knows when I believe in a lie and he is patient with me and careful and long-suffering. I bless his name today (laughs) for the great patience of God that is at work in my life even in my darkest and most ignorant of days. Eventually, Elijah fell asleep. Well, I guess God could take me in my sleep. I'll just sleep. And the Bible said that something woke him up. The angel of the Lord touched him and said, get up and eat. Elijah looked around. There was some bread, bacon on a fire, and a cruise of water. 
I don't know about you, but (laughs) even in my folly, God takes care of me. I'm just as safe as I can be. I ain't got enough sense to get out of the rain half the time. But God is patient. You say, well, the pastor don't ever get discouraged. (laughs) You ain't never been a pastor. It's the greatest enemy I have. The greatest is that. The enemy that whispers in the air and says it don't matter, you see. Week after week, time after time, message after message, word after word, prayer after prayer, and yet people are not moved. People are not changed. Our culture is still diminishing and going the way of the wicked, and we don't even see our own people right with God. That's rationale for discouragement. Be one thing, Matt, if they were pouring through the door getting saved. They ain't. It's not because God's not real. Not because his servants aren't faithful. We're living in a day when God's going to have to make some changes. I'm getting there. Hang with me. Elijah ate and he drank and he went back to sleep. Maybe God will take me this time. Next thing he knows, he get woke up again. <laughs> The angel said, get up and eat. Wasn't a very talkative angel, was it? No. You know the good thing about angels, when they got a message, they just say it. They ain't like us and him hong on about all kinds of things. He just told him what? Get up, eat. Elijah got up and he seen the more bread and he ate it and he drank. And the angel told him, said, you're going to have to have this because the journey ahead of you is greater than you are. Now, I don't know about you, but that ought to startle Elijah. If he's afraid in, in Israel, if he was afraid in Judah, if he was afraid of Jezebel, then how in the world did this not startle him? And yet the angel said, you better eat this because you're going to need it. And sure enough, when Elijah ate that bread and drank that water, the Bible said he set out for the mount of God. And the Bible said it took him 40 days and 40 nights to get there, and he didn't need anything else. He went on the strength of what the angel had made for him through that entire journey. Didn't need another thing. But, you know, maybe when we get to heaven, we'll find out what it was that 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 angel made him. But it stuck to your ribs, didn't it? That must have been some good stuff. right? He, He went 40 days without eating on the strength of it. Well, he gets to the Mount of God. Do you remember Mount Horeb? Remember what happened on Mount Horeb? The Mount of God, right? Moses had the children of Israel at the base of it at one time. God said, you better not let anyone, not even a beast, pass this line. He said, if they pass it, they're dead. God came down in a cloud. And the fire and the smoke. God spoke from, from the mountain. The Bible said the children of Israel in fear said, Moses, tell God, don't speak to us no more. We can't handle it. Don't speak to us no more. Let him speak to you, and you tell us what he wants us to know. That mountain. That mountain. I wonder why in the world Elijah wanted to go there. He's 40 days from it. Surely there was a closer mountain. Surely there was a place that he wanted to be at that was easier to get to. But Elijah went to the mount of God. I don't know about you, but when you get into a place where it seems like everything else has forsaken you, that an enemy has poured into your mind, that discouragement has arrested your soul, may I say to you, the greatest place we can go is to God. What Elijah knew about this mountain was that God had met Moses there. And Elijah was in a crisis of life that was so great, he felt, I believe, that he needed to meet God in person. He makes it to the mount, Mount Horeb. And the Bible said that he finds a cave there. I wondered to myself if it was the same place where God said to Moses, I'm going to hide you while I pass by. The cleft of the rock. I wonder if it was the same place that Elijah got to. I suspect it probably was. 
And there was Elijah in the cave. And the Bible said the Lord spoke to Elijah. And he asked him a question. He said, what are you doing here? Now, don't get for any minute that God lived on that mountain. He didn't live there. He was there because Elijah was there. But he asked Elijah the question. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? (laughs) What occurred to me is why didn't God ask him that under the juniper tree? You ever thought about that? The ideal moment to ask Elijah what he was doing would have been 40 days earlier while he was laid up under a juniper tree asking God to kill him. But God didn't ask him then. God is so merciful. And he is so wise. May I say to you today that God knows what we need before we ever get to it. What what God knew about Elijah was what he needed to, to do to fix Elijah he would have to do on a mountain. He would have to do when Elijah was at that place where he was the most humble. He would have to do in that place where Elijah believed that he would find the answer. And there that day he said, Elijah, what are you doing there? I believe there was reproof in the question of God And there should be reproof to you and I when we question ourselves. What am I doing here? Not here, literally, but isn't there those places metaphorically that we get, we say, what are we doing here? Right? I'm in the pit of despair. What am I doing here? Right? I'm I'm, I'm in a place where I can't seem to decide whether I'm going to go for God or leave God. What am I doing here? All of these things are questions that we ought to be asking ourselves and they're questions of rebuke, of reproof. They ought to be serious when we hear them in our heart from God when it speaks to us and it reminds us, listen, that we have a purpose. We have a job. We have a reason that we live and there is a purpose for each one of the children of God and if we're not doing it, it ain't getting done. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah said, look, he said, I've did my best. I've been very jealous for the name of of the Lord. I have been zealous, the word jealous. I looked it up this afternoon in the Hebrew, and it means red in the face. He said, I have been so zealous for you. (laughs) I have tried my best for you. I have done everything you've told me to do. I've done it every way you said to do it. I have been jealous, ran in the face, jealous for you and your name. It ain't mattered. Don't matter. Now we're getting somewhere. You see, God had to deal with the real problem in a life. He said, I've done everything you've said. He said, but they won't keep your covenant. That sound familiar? You think what we're going through today is new? Elijah said, I have preached my covenant. And they've not listened. He said, they've forsaken the covenant that you made with Abraham. Not just that, God. He said, they tore down your altars. They didn't have a place to pray. But the land is filled with altars for Baal. They're an adulterous people. They've torn down the altars. They're killing the prophets. God, I shouldn't have to tell you this, but they've killed everybody that was working for you. By the way, I'm the only one left. And they seek to take my life. Now, God could have told Elijah the very things that he ended up telling him, but Elijah wasn't ready to hear him. 
You ever been in a place where you just what you couldn't hear God because you were so wrapped up with who? Yourself. Right? You were so snookered by the enemy's lie that you had got sucked into it and you become a part of the lie. And that was Elijah. A man of God. One of the greatest men of God. By the way, let me just remind you about Elijah. He didn't die. God just took him on, right? There'll be two stand on the earth in that last day, according to prophecy and revelation. One Moses and the other who? And yet here he stood on the mountain saying, I have been jealous for you. I have been zealous to the point my face was red in telling And it meant nothing. Now that's despair. And he went all the way to the Mount of Horeb to tell God that in person. God spoke. God spoke. He said, Elijah, he said, I want you to go out and stand out there. Elijah got up. He went out there. Now, if you'll remember, he told Moses, I want you to hide right here in the cleft of the rock. And he said, I'm going to pass by and I'm going to let you see just a bit of my glory. And he did. And what, what Moses saw that day, they couldn't look upon Moses after that, right? They had to put a veil over him because the glory of God was shining from his, his skin. The manifestation of it, too great. This was different. He didn't tell Elijah to hide. He told Elijah to come out. He said, I want you to come out here. The Bible said he did. Elijah got up and he went out to the edge of the mountain. And there he stood. And according to the scripture, the Bible said the Lord passed by. But it wasn't the same image. He didn't reveal unto Elijah what he revealed unto Moses. Two different things. Same Lord, but two two different things. And the Bible said that the first thing that Elijah experienced was the wind of God. Now, I don't know how awesome or terrible or terrifying that was, but it was a wind so great that it broke rocks in two. Can you imagine a wind that breaks rocks? That shakes everything around you? A wind so violent and so fierce. I was trying to imagine in my mind how Elijah stayed on the ground and then it finally occurred to me that everything God was showing him never actually touched Elijah. He just saw it. He wasn't in it. He was just seeing it. He was hearing it. You ever heard the wind when it really blows? The power of it sounded like a train. I can imagine how fierce it was. And yet what Elijah realized And that awesome spectacle that he was viewing in his earthly eyes was that God wasn't in it. Did God do it? Yeah, and Elijah knew that, but God wasn't in it. It wasn't what he was looking for. The power of God was revealed, but in his heart, he didn't hear nothing. In his heart, he wasn't hearing God speak, but he was seeing the power of God. And next, the Bible said that there was a great earthquake. I believe the whole mountain was shaken. And there was Elijah experiencing the power and the awesomeness of the earth reeling with under the hands of God. And yet he said the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then a fire, a fire that erupted so fierce and great. I bet Elijah was, was, was shielding every part of himself as he looked at the fierceness of this fire that had come from a divine manifestation itself. And in all three of these things, Elijah said the Lord wasn't in those things. But there was something happened. You see, the problem that Elijah had was he had lost confidence in God. That ever happened to you? That's me. And you pray and you pray and you pray and you don't see it happen. Don't tell me that don't work on you. That's me. And I'm not praying for stuff, people. There ain't a prayer I got that's got my name on it. And I ain't seeing it happen. 
Sometimes you lose confidence in God. You know what God knew about Elijah's situation? He knew in order to get Elijah's attention, he knew in order to get Elijah to where Elijah could truly hear what he was going to say, he was going to have to bring Elijah back into a place of wonder and awe. And he did that. He did that through the wind. He did that through the earthquake. He did that through the fire. Those three things were manifestations of the divine power of God. Don't tell me for a minute that Elijah didn't stand there in reverent fear as he seen the awesome power of God visibly, audibly performed right in front of him. I believe there was a humility that set upon Elijah that got his heart into the place to where the most important thing could take place. And the Bible said that a still, small voice spoke. Still, small voice. And having been awed by the power of God of all three of those wondrous things, he heard the still, small voice of God. And the Bible said that when he heard that voice, he picked his mantle up then. And he wrapped himself. The fire didn't do that thing. The earthquake didn't do it. The wind didn't do it. Those things brought him to a place of awe, recognizing the power of his holy God. But it was God's voice. It was God's voice that caused Elijah to wrap the mantle around his head, knowing that he was fixing to see the glory of God. He knew if he saw God, he was a dead man. He wrapped that around his head. And God spoke again. Now, I'm going to ask you again. You ever thought about that? I'm going to ask you again. What are you doing here, Elijah? He had his attention. I don't know how many times. I'm too transparent. I don't know how many times that in my time of discouragement God would do something great. Sometimes it's just answering a prayer right in front of my eyes that would remind me that He's still God. He's still there. He's still working. God's not the problem I am. And yet God is patient, can you, so many times that he just keeps pulling. Now, he had Elijah's attention at this point. Elijah had his mantle wrapped around his head. He had heard the voice of God, and in terror, his soul had responded, and he was, he was just expecting God to, to boom all around him, and God spoke with that still, small voice, and he said, now, he said, I want to know what you're doing. Why are you here? There's nobody on this mountain that you can help. Not a child of Israel is here. Not anybody here that can be affected by my word, my spirit. What are you doing on this lonely mountain? And Elijah said, God, I have done my best for you. Nobody listens. They've tore down your altar. As a matter of fact, they've, they've got worse. Everything I said, it seems they just got worse. And then God began to give him some answers. He said, Elijah... He said, get off this mountain. And he said, not only are you going to do my work, he said, but you're going to do it now. I want you to get off this mountain and you go into the wilderness of Damascus and when you find Hazael, he said, you anoint that man king over Judah. And he said, from then you go and find Jehu. And he said, when you find Jehu, he said, you anoint him king over Israel. And he said, then 
he said, get Elisha, told him who he was, and he said, he is going to help you. And he said, whoever Hazel don't kill, Jehu will. And whoever Jehu don't get, Elisha will. You know what he was telling Elijah? He said, I'm fixing to clean house. How many believe that God could clean house in America? Well, he did it then. You say, did he? Yeah. All you got to do is pick up where I left off and keep it reading. Elijah went in. Well, the first thing he did was he got Elisha. Right? Elisha was the last in the three that God was giving him answers about, but he was the first to be called. And when Elisha got off the mountain, he called Elisha. And he said, by the way, Elisha's going to replace you. He said, I've got your replacement right here. And until I take you, he's going to be your right hand. He's going to help you. You know what Elijah needed? help. That's all he needed, Alfred, was just a little help. Discouragement had overtaken him, and what he thought was there was no help. And yet what the Lord was going to tell him was, go anoint Hazel king, go anoint Jehu as king, and you go and anoint Elisha as the prophet. And he said, by the way, You keep whining about being the only one. You're not the only one. He said, I've got 7,000 that have never bowed a knee to Baal nor kissed the image. They're mine. They're a remnant. You just didn't know it. How many of us make decisions off things we have no idea what God's really doing? How many of you really believe that there is a remnant of believers all over this earth that the Lord Jesus Christ is in charge of? How many of you believe that at any moment he can anoint whoever he wants to be over whoever he wants and he can change whatever he wants whenever he wants it? Do we believe that or not? Where does discouragement come from then? The devil. Satan himself is the king of discouragement and all he can play in such fertile ground as ours. He said, Elijah, get off this mountain and you anoint Hazel, right? He was changing kings, right? Currently, Ahab and Jezebel was the king and queen over Israel. That's fixing to change. That's fixing to change. Jehu rode into Israel and there she was looking out the window. Some of them old prophets looked out there and he said, throw her out, boys. And you know what they did? They grabbed that wicked woman and they tossed her out the window. Down she went, splattered on the ground, blood gone everywhere. Here come the dogs licking up the blood. And Jezebel was dead. God said, I'm fixing to change some things, Elijah. You better get off this mountain. You ain't got no business up here. What I'm going to do ain't on a lonely mountain. It's among my people. Sometimes we need to be in awe of God. I was there Sunday morning. I, I really, I was there Sunday. I was... So in awe of God, I didn't know what to do next. And it was so refreshing. I'd preached on the radio broadcast not an hour before that. And by the time I got here, it was already battling with discouragement. And yet God in his awesome power just showed me his wonder. You might not have seen anything, but I got to see it. And it helped me. And yet before Wednesday, can even get back around. I'm walking down Tipton Loop Road in the middle of the day and the sun hot on my head and I'm trying to figure out where God is. 
and he sticks my head in a clean ends lace and shows me the petals on the on the most one of the ugliest plants I've ever seen. I always thought they were ugly until I just looked at it. And God began to show me his wonder in those things. In those things. And then as I looked around, I got to see them everywhere. The hand of God everywhere. And he simply spoke to me and said, I've done all this and you don't even notice it. And yet you want to whine about this or that? You can't even see me. You're not even looking. It ain't no wonder you get discouraged. You're not looking for me. I'm everywhere. And before I knew it, I had a handful of flowers that my wife thought I'd picked for her. I said I did, by the way. No need to waste them, right? God is wonderful in every way. He said, Elijah, I got work for you to do, and it ain't up here. Now, I've proved to you that I'm still who I said I am. And I'm fixing to make some changes, and I'm going to do it through you. You go down there and do what I've told you to do, and Elijah did. He went down there and anointed Hazel and Jehu. I love reading that story, right? Right, because when they go out to battle, Hazel, he's wiping them down, and then and then here comes Jehu in, and 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 they they were Ahab was trying to get a get away. Anyway. You know, God killed Ahab. God killed Jezebel. God wiped out all them others. And then, and then all those prophets that were hid, he brought them out and then sets up Elisha and does all that stuff. Just like that. Is he still God or not? I don't know what he's going to do. Right? I don't. I don't know what he's going to do. But here's what I know. He can do anything. And I've got a responsibility to be faithful right now. Right now. I've got a responsibility to stick to it, to be faithful. I'm looking into the eyes of the most faithful people I've ever known. Right? And, and I want you to know that you are, you are important to me. Because you are Elisha to me. My life feels insignificant, I assure you. That's just because I can't see all God does. He's doing stuff. He's doing stuff you and I don't have any idea about. He's doing things that we couldn't comprehend. God's at work. You know how I know? Because you're praying. You're praying. I'm praying. We're seeking God. You can't tell me that God has turned his ears off. He said he'd never, never forsake us. We don't know what God's doing. And I don't know the timing of God. But I know this. I ain't got no business on a lonely mountain. Whining about things I know nothing about. I've got a job to do. He called me to do this job. And it is mine to do. I just need his wonder every now and then. And I think you're a part of that. And I thank him. We're not alone. We are not alone. And we ain't got no business making ourselves alone singling ourselves out as if we're the only ones that are suffering, the only ones that are hurting, the only ones that are praying and ain't seeing what, what we want to see yet. We're not, we're all in this together. And God hadn't changed. He's the same God that brought fire down for Elijah, <clears throat> made a ditch flower with 5,400 petals on it. He's God. He's still God. And we need to be faithful. If you've got discouragement tonight, I hope the wonder of God will arrest your heart.
that the majesty of God would so fill your conscience that you can't help but serve him. Because he's going to do great things. Come get a song. Let me finish with this. Somebody said to me the other day, I don't know what we're going to do. God's just not calling preachers anymore. And as I thought about it, it occurred to me that that was a, that we should never say something like that. Well, who in the world are we to say that God can't figure out how to call anybody no more? That's how we think, though, right? I've said it myself. I don't have no idea what my grandchildren are going to have to go through. Well, guess what? My grandpa said that too. Guarantee you he said the same thing. But here I is. I'm his grand youngin. I still going. You know what's keeping me going? Same thing took care of him. Take care. You know what, Kenny? He's going to take care of him. You know why? Because he's God. And he won't be different 50 years from now. He'll be the same God. The same power, the same awesome God. He'll take care of them just like he takes care of me, just like he takes care. And if he keeps this thing going a thousand more years, don't you worry. He'll still be God. He'll still be in control. He'll still do what he wants to do. He'll still call who he wants to call. He'll still raise up this one and put down that one. He'll still be God. Amen. And so we needn't worry. We needn't worry about the future. We needn't worry about the, 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 the millennia come. We need, needn't worry. Because God is still God. He will never relinquish his position of authority. And we needn't worry. We're his. Stand with us. You've got a need of God. I don't know how else to say it, but come and get it. Get right with God. And you'll be right. That's the only way. That's the only way.